0: Today we will be discussing the essentials of exercise prescription via not prescribing exercise, but ensuring exercise prescription remains prescribed. Welcome to Therapist in Motion Podcast, brought to you by Spooner. Welcome back to the Therapist in Motion podcast. This is Paul, joined by Dan and K2. Hello. Hello. And after that intro, I am sure everyone is fully comfortable with what we are discussing today, correct? Yes. I am very fully confused. Topic clear delineated from the Department (laughs) Department of Redundancy Department. Yes.
1: Yes. And the Confusion Department.
0: Yes. (laughs) Of mass (laughs) confusion, (laughs) which might be most government departments, but that's a topic for another day. Anyway. So, what we want to discuss today are some of the components of exercise prescription that aren't the actual exercise themselves. We think about exercise prescription as going through and prescribing exercises that are appropriate and specific to the patient's needs, and what's the form they have to have, what's the sets, what's the reps, things that are extremely important to think about more than just three sets a ten. if you listen to one of our recent podcasts on some of the science of exercise. But there is so much more than just those components to prescribing an exercise. We want to talk about the rest time. And I think if I said rest time of exercise to most therapists, they'd probably look at me and say, oh, you mean like two weeks off to let inflammation calm down before you go back, which has its time in place. But we're thinking about the rest time in between actual exercises. We want to talk about some of the educational pieces that we all know it's important to have patient buy-in, but are they understanding the specific needs and purposes of your exercises, of the things you're doing, and continue going down that kind of rabbit hole of what are the non-exercise components of exercise prescription? that are sometimes, as K2 has said, the piece that can take you from a good therapist to a great therapist that's a bit of the, the art of this, um, that has some definite skill with numbers and things you can look up, but has to be able to find that piece that really is necessary for the patient and how you tweak it into that. So let's start with rest time. Again, like I said, I think most people think of rest as time away from exercise, but I wanna discuss the actual rest in between exercises. And I think everyone listening, I want you to think right now when's the last time you told your technician or a colleague that you have that you work with or anyone that you've had to educate how much rest time you want in between sets of exercise? When you guys think about that, now I wanna ask K2. When's the last time you instructed one of your colleagues on this uh, essential topic? Great question. Um,
2: great thing about the location I work at, uh, we are surrounded by great strength and conditioning coaches, and those technicians who works a long time. So this is actually like Paul. Great question. Then kind of self reflect myself. I feel like sometimes I was not specific enough on so many times, almost expecting that technician or my colleague understood. So I think this is a great area to revisit.
0: But even with that too, it sounds like it you understand the importance in your clinic so much that everyone's educated upon it. Yes, we could all always do a little bit better, in a, especially in the perfect world of educating each piece of it, but how many clinics are there out there that really everyone walks the doors and they could tell you how much rest time is essential based upon strength, endurance, hypertrophy program, et cetera, often missing piece of the equation for it. So let's talk about what those actually are. Leave to either of you to well, give us some of the basics of rest time and why it's an important piece of exercise prescription. Yeah, definitely when we work
2: on more absolute strength or max power um, in energy system we use we need longer period of time to get the refractory period to be able to perform optim- optimally for the next set so that as a contrary like when we work on more endurance hypertrophy system um, we don't need as much resting time so that we can move on to like a next set of exercises a
0: little bit quicker. I'm curious then too, just to you know add, help kind of the other side of the equation, is there too much rest for an individual? Is it appropriate to have them rest too long in between exercises? Many cases
2: I actually I actually had some clients who are very friendly at the same time, our location is pretty big, so that kind of gets lost from the uh, technician supervision. Then I created some programs should be done by 40, 45 minutes, but end up seeing the person doing exercise for two hours because talking too much or doing something else. So that time, I set up the expectation for the clients that... Specific exercise we're providing is rest period. This is like one minute is the ideal, for example. Then I talked about it, but not necessarily he could follow through. So one time, actually, I gave him a timer of one minute. Then he's like, what is this? This is your timer for the rest period. As soon as you finish the exercise, you're going to hit this timer once beep, go. Then he actually finished in 45 minutes or so. Then he said, wow, I actually I feel totally different, you know, outcomes. Then he's get, not necessarily the hypertrophy, then also some other endurance system has been addressed too. So it was very, also his intens- um, intensity of the exercise, like more concentration for the exercise was great too. So that I think we got so much benefit. So I feel like longer period unnecessarily,
0: actually deduce the benefit of the exercise I love that I mean we talked about the importance of specificity and if we are giving really long break times in between exercises which may be appropriate in certain capacities what are we preparing that patient for really long break times between their activities, which if that's not what they're doing, did we really get them there. Like your patient even say, okay, to you, they recognized, man, that felt different. I noticed something different out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's give a little bit of the background on the why. So Dan, can you speak to on the strength side of things? Why are you supposed to give a, at least one minute, oftentimes more of that three to five minute break time for the individual?
1: That's a great question. Uh, and, and it's something prior to the fall of 2019. Never would have thought about building rest time into my treatment session, building rest time into between sessions or how long of rest are we going to take from activity prior to returning? Yeah, that was a very regular part of my conversations, but rest within a session never honestly would have cross my mind.
0: Isn't it funny how that works too? Same thing here. I feel you. And it's even funny because I can think of when I was going to the gym, how I would give myself appropriate rest times or make sure I got back on certain things before too long of a rest. And I somehow failed even translate that into my very own practice.
1: Uh, I 100% agree with that. So going back to your question, When I'm loading somebody at a higher intensity level, meaning that they are going to be doing fewer repetitions, uh, they are working at a higher capacity and stressing their nervous system more aggressively. When that happens, if I don't give two to three minutes of rest time for their nervous system to recover more than anything, now I am putting them at a potentially greater risk of not having optimal results, or working too close to their max capacity and risking some sort of injury. Now, if I'm doing something with lower intensity, longer reps or longer duration, working a different muscle fiber type, then I'm going to have a shorter rest period because that recovery time for their muscles is faster and it is not as stressful to the nervous system.
0: And thank you a simple perfect recap for that that is helping us understand you know for those people with the strength component especially trying to build significant absolute strength we are looking at efficiency and if we don't give our time the our body, the time to recover, we're not getting as much out of that exercise routine as we could, or especially if we're talking about, I'm kind of referencing a little bit more the athletic population, I feel like with this, but there are huge needs for absolute strength with every patient. And when we talk about geriatric patients, look at some good research. Strengthening has been shown to help with decreasing osteoporosis, improving balance and decreasing fall risks for individuals, improving overall emotional happiness and health as far as that's concerned. Lots of benefits to them. But then with that population, arguably even more important, especially if you assume they're coming to see a patient in therapy with some type of pain, we don't want to overload their system without the appropriate rest because they're going to be potentially more likely to have some type of breakdown in the chain and then a possible issue pain-related that could happen so that, that piece gives them the ability to be successful and do some things that's probably going to be fun, cool, and different than they're going to see in a lot of therapy uh, situations that exist out there.
1: Bingo, love that.
0: So we've talked a bit about the rest component and why that is important and often an underappreciated piece of the equation. And I kind of move on and kind of flip to some of the next components of things. And we talk, I think, frequently about the importance of having our patients have buy-in, right? But I think often that buy-in is, oh, Dan or K2 or whatever my therapist is, they understand what they're doing. They understand where they're going. they I trust them, which can get you very far with a lot of individuals. But what about the specific exercises? I've seen plenty of patients where they're like, I don't. I don't know why I'm doing this, or I don't get it. And if they trust me, they'll do it, mm-hmm. but are they really giving it the effort and the energy they should, or even more so, when you have those patients that are skeptical or unsure of therapy, which is, oh, well, I don't know, just about every patient that ever comes to it's never had therapy before, it's almost essential for them to understand how things go together. So, what do you do? Will you two do educationally to help patients understand the purpose of their exercise? And since both of you work with technicians, do you prepare your technicians to have some of these conversations or at least know what to respond and to get you to assist with educating that patient? That's
1: a that's a great lead-in question because it's something again if I think back reflect on my career I've really ebbed and flowed on the specificity of my education and articulating why I'm doing what I'm doing to either my technician and or the patient right I think this kind of also sets the stage for the The subset of education, which should be setting expectations, but I want to go education first. So kind of where the stage that I'm at now is when I prescribe exercise or progress exercises, I have asked my technician and I often ask my patient to challenge me to say, why are we doing this? And it's not in a negative way. It's not in them challenging me of like, well, why are you doing this? It's why are you doing this? Because what that does in my brain is it is a cue to say and articulate, here is why we are doing this exercise. It is aimed at this movement. It is aimed at this task. It is aimed at this development of absolute strength. And when we get, go down that route, then I of, oftentimes then lead into the, your first question about rest is, okay. Okay we're going to do this for this reason at this intensity level. And then they need three minutes of rest before they do it again, or they move on to their next exercise. So that's kind of how I have evolved over time is I will oftentimes ask my patients and my technician to say, why are we doing this again? Not to challenge me, but to stimulate my brain to truly articulate my rationale and not just because it's hard.
2: That's great questions, Paul. Um, so to get buy ins there are so many ways to approach to the clients, but definitely get the result is one thing, but definitely establish a great communication is the key. Um, at the initial evaluation. Or throughout the conversation we understand what why they came to us and what they want to achieve so that uh, finding out where we are starting where they are starting their success at the same time their goal that out of their success many times but definitely keep that goal in mind then many times I break down the process to get to the goal and for this phase we're going to work on this. That's why next phase we can move on to next. Then eventually you can go back to that you know activity you like, picking up your grandkid or doing gardening or throwing baseball, whatever it is. So in a way, I'm going to give them initially brief kind of pathway to get there. Then I'm going to actually see how they respond. Sometimes that is enough for them. Sometimes they want to know more about him, But sometimes they need not necessarily logical things. They want to hear something else to get the buy So I'm trying to go do some um, assessment throughout the time. Then trying to find a facet I can kind of tap into. And then once they understand, then I'm going to tell them that, my exercise design. Then this is what I'm trying to accomplish to get your best results, so that at the end of your exercise you're gonna feel like this. If you don't get that, maybe I didn't provide set up the setup that design correctly. So I want to tweak the program. So please give me some feedback. I'm gonna ask you more questions too, those kind of stuff, and also uh, trying to get the tech involved. Definitely we can do education, you know, um, at the side. At the same time, I often uh, trying to do education, patient education in front of the technician so that technician many times actually are listening to what we say, then they are also figuring out how I, they could reach to the clients so that hopefully I can give you different patients, different way of approaching it so that hopefully they can learn like different ways to address certain things to the clients.
0: I love that. And especially Dan, I've actually stolen what you've done because I've literally watched you do it in the clinic. But I love that conversation of reminding the patient all right, we've now talked through, kind of as K2 said, here's what I want to get us to. And here's the steps we need to get there to prove that we're ready for this. We understand that. We're comfortable with that. Good. Now, if I have anything exercise wise that I've prescribed to you or have any hands on technique I'm providing, I encourage you to ask me how this applies to my end goal or what level it applies to. Because again, I want that patient to have that buy-in and that empowerment the patient gets to ask them those questions can be really strong. And I have never felt challenged by them. And I feel like oftentimes they get almost excited to see the connection and they will start learning about it themselves and get more engrossed in some of the process that exists there. And I also love what you spoke to, K2, um, as far as the components of, you know, did I push you to the right level? I'm going to keep asking you questions. I even take it as far as when I have patients, I will frequently refer to us as a team and use we, us, things of that nature. I will often have a patient come in, at least when I had patients coming in regularly. How did we do last time? How how has everything been feeling and where are we as far as our improvements are going? And I I use the we and the us very purposely because it is me, it is my tech, and it is the patient all working together and oftentimes my colleagues as well with the team, depending to get to the same goal. And that kind of goes into that piece of K2's discussion of I'm trying to find the right specific challenge for you and I'm trying to see how we're doing. And I know that sometimes the patient might be a little bit less energetic or more energetic. and We're going to keep tweaking together and work as a team to get you there. And it's I don't know. No, personally definitively I should say that it makes a difference but I've felt when I use that terminology more frequently my cancellations went substantially down to almost never and I had better follow-through programs was that just because I was more experienced there's a lot of things that play a role but I personally felt that communication style helped encourage better adherence and better outcomes with my patients
1: I would completely agree and I think that's a great way to establish consistency with your patient, with your support staff and with your colleagues when it's not my precious to quote Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. God, that was a terrible impersonation. (laughs) Uh,
0: Our audio editor can take care of it in the back then and make sure, you know, they, they get the right uh, impression in there.
1: Um, But That that component that the patient is invested in this, that my technician or support staff is invested, that the colleagues sitting next to me and around me are invested. I want that component of we like you said, and I do feel that that's there's a professional maturity level related to that. But on the flip side, making that flip whenever you listen to this podcast you can make that flip right away. You're going to have to continue to practice it. But I think you will see a change because of the, the reality, not the it's the perception, which will become the reality that they are bought in and that we are in this together. And now you're going to get to a different level of being able to ask questions, as K2 said, and get that feedback from the patient slash client because they feel that you are truly invested in them and that we are truly invested in them. I think that there's so much wisdom in that that you just shared right there. It's it's brilliant.
0: I'm curious then. Um, you know, so you, you both talked about setting appropriate goals and establishing the the end product you're trying to get to. I'm curious how you educate for the goal of each session, because K2, you spoke to making sure you push them to the right level. Under the specific thought of the power of positive thoughts something that I've seen people come to is like, oh, I don't want to tell my patients they're going to be sore. I'm going to tell them we're going to feel great and good afterwards because if I tell them these things, they're going to feel pretty good. I'm going to come almost implant that thought into their mind as opposed to if I go through and say, you know what, if we do this right, you're going to feel it. It's going to be okay, but you're going to feel it. And then I've had therapists be like, I I feel like then they get really sore and I don't want that for them. How do you guys juxtapose establishing appropriate expectations with some of that power of thought component? Ooh, that's... Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) K2 and I are both looking at the ceiling again going, ooh, that's a great in-depth question, Paul. So I'm going to first go about it as the catch-all answer of It Depends. But it depends because I'm going to try and read my patient and see where they are and what they can handle. Some of it is based on the specificity of information that they present to me. Some of it is that they came in and they've already looked on the good old Google machine and they have 15,000 ideas in their head. And they're trying to see if those 15,000 ideas in their head match what I have said. But some of it also may go back to what their prior level activity was, how frequently are they working out or were they working out and to what level? And that's where I'm going to play into it because in some situations, yeah, playing into the fact that they're going to be sore is what gets them coming back because that means that I'm prescribing an exercise at the level that they want because they want to feel it. Now on the flip side, walking in that line of you are going to feel great is what I need to do because I need them to come back because I haven't quite found that sweet spot yet of where their success threshold truly is. So that's kind of how I try and do it is I try and base it off of reading them and asking enough questions to know what level they need to thrive and be successful. That's
2: great. Great question, Paul. (laughs) I love your questions always. So again, I have to rephrase what Dan said. It depends. But it depends on the client. It depends on what stimulates their sense of success. So if I had a professional athlete coming to me, yeah, they're going to get so nice. They feel, yeah, I feel good. Because, you know, we actually address that thing. Now I feel like I'm getting enough great benefit from it. Or some clients who hasn't done much uh, physical activities, all they want is they want to feel good. Maybe not necessarily as much as I educate, get so they may come back and initially say, like, you know, I get sore. So if so, I'm going to create different strategies. So that... um, Based on our talk in the past, like we talk about, like, creating, uh, identifying their success, then identifying their goal. At the same time, we are trying to find their capacity, threshold capacity. So, oftentimes, when we are trying to get the optimum benefit from the exercises, especially strengthening, they're going to experience the soreness. But in order to get there, maybe for the athlete, maybe two, three sessions, maybe I'm going to get there. For the other clients who not necessarily welcome the thought of getting soreness, maybe I'm gonna create other success first. Maybe moves better, then like uh, range of motion gets better. Then I'm gonna keep them feedback about their success. Then I may and lead into that now we are going to the next phase. Now we are going to next phase. Then, Or even giving them the expectation in two weeks, we're going to tweak the program. That time you're going to start feeling like more training effect. Then when training correctly, you may feel like this. But it's going to be great. But I think you're going to be ready. So we're going to set you up for that.
1: So K2 and Paul, K2, you just kind of elaborated on what I said a little bit earlier about expectations. And so I kind of want to, you kind of just started down that path. So let's fuel it for the two of you and, and how with either end of the spectrum with your, your high level athlete or what Paul and I typically see as the non high level athlete, but that doesn't mean we don't see athletes is how do you go about setting that expectation and giving them time frames of okay, here's where we want to get, here's kind of what I'm anticipating it's going to take and here's how long we're going to be in each phase. How do you go about that and what does that look like in evolution of your careers to share that with patients and what that is done when you share that with them?
0: I think it goes a lot into what you said, Dan, as far as it depends and it depends on what that patient actually needs. I would say most often I default to Making sure they understand the entire progress as far as like, all right, here's A, B, C, D, and E. These are the different program focal points I believe you need. Keep it very simple. What I'm speaking to, like I'm going to establish appropriate mobility first, then I'm going to establish control of that mobility, then I'm going to establish working through the full chain and, and moving forward there and giving them things that make more sense to them. But using that kind of thought process. I find if I try to give too much info, it's typically overwhelming. Yes, there are certain patients that are very analytical, and you can see like they almost want like that flow chart of like are that flow sheet of all right, here's what I need at every level, and here's we're gonna check to the next piece of the equation. But I find that if I tell them here's my overall plan, so I understand I have a solid plan. And at the end, I want you to be able to do this, this, and this. These three things will show me. I feel comfortable, you're ready to manage this on your own or go back to whatever it is you're trying to get back to. And that does differ definitely. If it's like a patient who's weekend warrior, it might be more their sport or their their weekend activity. If it's your everyday individual, it might be more of a, all right, you know, you you have this repetitious injury that has slowly reared its ugly head over three, four, five years, or it's been up and down until this suddenly became the first time you couldn't self-manage or self-control well, this took a while to happen. I'm not going to reverse the entire thing in therapy, but if we reach this threshold, I feel comfortable. You've limited as much as you can as far as factors that could contribute to it reoccurring, and I'm going to give you more tools to keep making further gains as you go. So this then becomes very specific to the actual patient. Then I always give them a short-term focus. So one short-term, one long-term. My short-term is typically... You know, I expect to see a change within two weeks, three, four visits. That's when I want to notice a difference, not a full improvement, but I want to see the changes happening. And here's what I expect. Like for the individual, I think we're going to see, you're going to feel when you do this hip internal rotation motion that we were doing, you're not going to feel it pinching in the front part anymore towards your groin. You're going to feel more of a muscular stretch. And when we measure it, you're going to have better motion. That's where I wanted to start. So I give them a short term goal and a long term focus. Unless they need a little bit more than that. And then again, especially populations, it's going to become much more complex. Dan, you brought up a great point. Some people, I asked the soreness question, some people can't. Like I'm thinking of my 20-year chronic pain history patient, that their interpretation of any discomfort is so skewed. I can't, I need to almost show them they can do things without any form of pain in their perception to kind of build their body some confidence while we work on getting typically other health professionals involved so they have all the areas of care covered that they need so that I can start bringing them into quote soreness or discomfort and let them be able to distinguish between pain and discomfort. So I don't want to simplify this too much. Different populations have vastly different needs and you will find those and I highly encourage people ask therapists who have worked with specific populations if you have a high number of those ones, pelvic health, chronic pain, neuro, etc. But to keep it simple, full process education, I Start with that always. Don't expect them to memorize it. I want them to take away, what's my short-term goal? What am I trying to achieve? Because then if I'm looking at home exercise program compliance, I want that to tie directly into it. You know, think of that like... 13, 14, 15 year old high schooler that probably doesn't see much need to do any of these exercises and probably isn't going to be overly compliant. I want to keep it couple exercises, couple things. They go back home and mom and dad and say, here's what he told me and here's why I'm doing it in a very basic manner instead of just, I don't know. (laughs) And then what is the end purpose? That's my takeaway. Those are my final two points for most people to help with that man.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Good job. And uh, Dan, also great question. Definitely inspires and stimulates my thinking. And that brings me back to the memory when maybe shortly after maybe I I started working as a physical therapist. Lots of things I learned from my own mistake. Um, Just looking back, some clients, no matter what, they fully trust you they're gonna just do whatever you want then I can end up like you know um, achieving their goals and thank you at the same time some I had some clients just falling off the wagon in a way I thought they are making some progress but they stopped coming or they start coming less and less why yes I learned Probably, I wasn't setting expectations correctly. At the same time, asking myself, did I understand fully understand the process of their rehabilitation pr- progression? Maybe I was just thinking about evaluation, then think about initial exercise program, then some progression, what we can do next time, next week. Then just continue. Oh, yeah, definitely progressing. But progressing to where? Maybe I didn't have a clear prognosis even Mm -hmm. so that I didn't even communicate with them. But just looking myself, like, yeah, they're improving, but many times they're black and white, some of them. yeah. If they're doing certain activities they want to do, it's success. If they're not doing, not success. So not necessarily they're improving within the physical therapy. They don't even sense a success. Then, without great communication, they are like, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not there." Then start losing it. So, one thing I found is definitely uh, understanding the client. Then understanding again what stimulates a sense of success, and are we are we both um, achieving their goals? Then are we sitting right? Uh, clear expectation for the time when to get there. Then just like Paul said, like also like we are creating maybe certain criteria or maybe checkpoint to get to the next level. In order to go to the next level, we need to do this. So many times, uh, athletes can be a little bit more goal-oriented specifically or even not necessarily activity oriented. Sometimes they understand some importance of a test or certain criteria of exercise. So I have to be super clear about that. So in order to go to the next phase, we need to get this. We need to earn this. Earn the right. So then it's not me too. I cannot tell you, go ahead and run. Go ahead to throw. But actually your body is going to tell us. Your body is going to dictate. So I want to help you to get there. So let's put the plan together. Then things like that. So um, setting up expectation, telling them when we can get there, then break down the short term goals. At the same time, kind of keeping keep keep giving them that feedback on are we on the right track or maybe behind or we are actually ahead of our game. That itself changes, you know, quite a bit, and also understanding clients if. Some clients, if you feel like they're going to ask so many questions over and over and over and if you don't have the answer for them, you're going to lose them in the way. So that once you sense that, almost like you're going to prepare a little bit further. Then before they ask questions, you're going to provide the answer. Then do you have any more questions? Then when they say no. No. Maybe that's a great starting point. So it's uh, learn, learned from my own mistake. And then just looking back, how come I didn't do a better job with these clients? Then dissect what I didn't do. Then I came up with some plan, in a way, strategy. Then I put some uh, specific technique to overcome.
0: I love that. And I, I'm particularly curious, and I, I don't want to dive too far into this because it again, could deserve its entire own podcast discussion. But Dan, I'm curious. You have, you have a lot of excellent knowledge as far as teaching strategies and specific strategies used to help people become better learners. When you have that patient that keeps asking you the same question, Where does your head go and how do you tackle that? Because we've all had that (laughs) person, right? Do you
1: want the honest answer or the (laughs) not honest answer?
0: (laughs) They had a TBI and they just don't remember. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's a great question. And that's something that I will try to say, okay. Uh, One of our professors in PT school, Dr. Kincaid said he tries to repair his lectures to be able to answer any question up to seven different ways which when you start to think about that that's really hard i actually had this situation occur yesterday and this this patient just doesn't remember the exercises but can recall the most minute detail from something 18 years ago right So what I've tried to then do and what I tried to do yesterday is find a way to connect to the patient where they will see this as something that is hugely beneficial and a nugget of wisdom, right? Sometimes easier said than done. We know that there's three traditional learning styles, right? Auditory, visual, and tactile. And so oftentimes we will go on two of those, Or we'll go on the one that will teach the way that we prefer to learn and forget that the end user is really the way that we should modify our teaching style. So sometimes I can't do auditory. I have to do pure visual. Just watch and they can reproduce it. Or do I have your permission to put my hands on? your hip or your shoulder or whatever to be able to teach you how I want you to move so that you do this exercise appropriately. Unfortunately, with my patient yesterday, tactile was not an option, but I have this weird sense that tactile is the style that this person would learn the best from, but out of certain apprehensions, tactile is not an option. So therefore it makes the learning situation very difficult.
0: I like that. Great answer. And like I said, there's so much depth to get into there. But just to kind of encourage people to think through, all right, if someone's asking the same question, should trigger off in your head. Don't take it as an affront. It's not an offense. It's not because you're bad at explaining things. We don't have signs on our foreheads to state how we learn. So for me personally, if I hear the same question repeatedly, I'll often I'll take it as kind of, okay. let's find a quick situation place like let's sit down and say, all right, you know, k too. You, you've asked this a couple of times and I want to make sure that I'm doing my job appropriately of explaining what this goes. So tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking or what you think it's for. Like I will sometimes start trying to ask them a question, see where they go from and see if I can get some information out of that to help them. Or at the very minimum, I trust me, I've had times where I don't connect. I feel like at a minimum, then they recognize that I recognize their struggle and I'm appreciating them for who they are so even if I get nowhere sometimes I feel like just that alone is enough to help me be successful with that patient so then I have another question for both of you along some of those lines so we've talked repeatedly now about the importance of understanding the purpose of the overall picture and understand the purpose of each exercise So I want to know is what are some of the challenging barriers you have experienced as a therapist in education and how did you overcome them? Like, for example, you know, I think it's pretty easy to explain the need for mobility. I can explain to most patients why they need to have ankle dorsiflexion, especially through let's go with Dan's strategy, like do a demonstration and show how if the ankle stops, the body keeps progressing, Many hyperextends. Like I can show that visually very easily. Most people understand strength. Right, most people understand if they have a strength deficit, and you can feel those differences. But like proprioceptive sense, awareness of position, or muscle firing patterns, it's hard to explain to people sometimes their glute isn't firing, or it's hard to explain to people that your hamstring is firing before your core stabilizers, what that's doing to, to the pelvis. They don't they don't understand that thought process. So, are there certain <laughs> educational barriers you two have come across? more so that with patients that are difficult to, to break down? And what have you done to help that our listeners could use as a strategy since they're probably seeing some of the similar challenges? Oof. that's You've thrown some like really <laughs> deep
1: questions at us today. Oh, golly. I, probably the first thing I would say is I'm going to step back and say, what have I not done or not looked at, right? Which is interesting thing. Second would be ask the patient to articulate back to me what they heard from me. That may be the uh, biggest probably aha is, huh, they only heard those three things. And those are not the three biggest things that I wanted them to hear. That means I potentially rambled too long or I went too in depth.
0: Dan, ramble? No, No. no, neither of us would ever speak prolonged on a topic for no good purpose without yes, no, no. Uh,
1: The third thing, gosh, third thing is probably going back to setting clear expectations. And probably I have failed to set clear expectations. I haven't uh, outlined the timelines to see results or the timelines that they won't see results because of the condition or the nature of what we're working on. Uh, Or I haven't set appropriate expectations on the duration of their care and be like, you know what, this is, this is a long recovery because of this injury or this surgery. And I want you to understand that I've taken people through this before and there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be bumps and there's not going to be really anything that we can't, tackle together, especially when we stay in communication with the rest of your team. So those would probably be the three big things is reflecting back on yourself, asking the patient to articulate back what they heard, and then making sure that I have appropriately set realistic expectations for the duration of care that they will be in. Wow.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When Paul asked the question, I was thinking so many different clients, then almost like Paul's question applies to each client differently. So that my answer to Paul's question can be so much, so differently and based on clients. But many times, maybe I can categorize some of the things. Some patient asking me same question over and over. Is that something they didn't understand? Or they are asking for certain different answers from me or what driving them to ask the question. Maybe simply they didn't understand the knowledge, you know, information I provided, or I may ask the question. So you ask this question, like, you know, five different times, like, you know, and you ask me this question, like, why asking, why are you asking me this question? Because like uh, in order to go back to the team, I have to run. Or some type of some psychological stuff. So sometimes they may understand in their head, but their heart didn't understand. Those kind of stuff could happen too. And also some of the exercise I provide, they're trying to place an emphasis on some exercise, trying to get more buying-in. Again, some patients feel more scientific, like you know, um, data, or research proves that, and, oh wow, that's great. I'm totally get into that, more logical. Or some patient is more like story-oriented, sometimes based on our experience. In the past, we had a few clients trying to make it better but struggle. But once we tweak this exercise, this process, they got better. That's why this exercise is so important. So that's why you are doing this exercise. In order to get there, we need to own this. So finding out what, again, how I can reach them, like almost this is kind of... Um, dancing in a way but also matching on the boxing game or whatever, trying to see how I provide, I create action, the how they respond almost like, you know I need to understand them better so probably I was going around the cycle a little bit but I feel like I want to learn more about that clients then I want to use as much as my experience then trying to get to them then I want to see how they respond. Then trying to get them a little bit better next time. That kind of repeating process. Then hopefully once I feel like we get that mutual understanding, I feel like we can go to the next level. So did that answer your question?
0: Both of you did a great job. You did. Because I, I think one of the things I see with a lot of therapists of all different levels is we all want to help all of our patients, right? We want to, well, There's might be one or two, but for the most part, we want to help our patients. We want to help them feel better. And the most frustrating thing is when those individuals come through, they're just completely non-compliant or they're saying the right things and they're not making the strides you want and you recognize they're not doing what you're asking of them to the degree that you, you, you would expect them to. And I find one of the hardest things is to find that happy medium. And I love what what Brett Fisher has said that we're consultants. You know, we are consultants. We give you the education. We give you the tools. I can't make you do it. I have seen some very talented therapists find the verge of burnout because they are living and dying on the success of every single patient they have and there are people we are not going to help there are people we could and should be able to help but they won't take it and we have to be okay with that and I feel like it's easy to say but it's hard to do when you're in the actual situation and I think the best thing is to arm yourself with as many tools and tidbits and you two gave some great pieces out there if you can go through and say man i've tried this this and this and i, I listened and i tried what dan said what k2 said and i asked my colleague i've tried these you know seven things now you've done your job you've done your part you've given your effort in for that patient Feel comfortable that you have put out everything you can there. You know, Again, you guys gave great things. I love to do what Dan said that, you know, what did you hear? Question. Sometimes it helps me recognize where they missed something. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm really amazed. That's what they fixated on. It gives me a better idea of how they function as an individual. Lots you can learn from that piece of the equation. You're getting into the different components then of that you know sometimes we try to test them and like i said it can be easy to not easy but easier to feel a strength deficit so i'll have a patient put their hands on their hips and if i'm trying to work for like pelvic control because it's always a weird thing for people have them get their own tactile sensation and have them move and then ask them what do you feel stopping you and you do feel a different side to side because one person has oh i just feel like a muscle stretch on the outside you know on my my lateral aspect and someone else like oh yeah like I feel like catch. I feel like catch back. And then point like back at PSIS. Sometimes those things are easily recognized, but so often you just have a hard time getting through. So you guys gave great tools to help people break down some barriers or at least feel confident. They have given a lot of different thought processes out there and they've thrown a lot of things at the wall. And sometimes... Maybe the patient just wasn't ready. I personally had patients where they've come back to me two or three years after I first saw them, and they're suddenly much more receptive to the message. Might have been they tried therapy elsewhere and didn't work. Might have been they're frustrated. Might have been any number, Might have been they found a better place in their life. They had other health professionals help. It, any number of numerous factors can go into it. But we have to be comfortable. We've done everything we can to establish. And when I had those patients come back, I'm like, okay, I did something. So even though I quote, failed, unquote, the first time with them, I did what I needed to to establish my ability, my education, and my expertise, and then know that I'm there for them if and when they may be ready with that. Hard thing to do, but an important aspect for us all to learn. So thank you guys today. Some great information, some great pieces on the things that we do outside of prescribing the exercise that are essential. Do you think about the rest time in between? Do you think about the education, the exercises? Have you trained your technician or your colleagues how this person learns? You know, if you had the long eval, what did you learn from it? You guys ask questions, understand that. Have we told them, hey, this is how they tend to receive info? Have you helped the tech know that? Hey, I've charged my patients to ask us with things they don't understand. And I love what Dan said, too. He wants his tech to come to him with that question so that Dan can explain what the thought process is there, because especially if you are working with technicians, hopefully they're going on to bigger and better things at some point. And that education can be invaluable for them and a great experience and pay them better healthcare professionals or whatever they want to go into in the future. So thank you guys today. Hopefully listeners had some good pieces of information and some great nugget takeaways. As always, if you have any thoughts or strategies you all have used you want us to share, we'd love to put everything out there. Um, let us know on in Motion at spoonerpt.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe on your
1: favorite podcast app.